2: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day Savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings, happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. everybody and welcome to movie crush friday interview edition a very special edition because i have two winsome lovely ladies staring at my face over the internet uh any and holly fry hey hello, hello and we're here to talk about a just a little movie called the empire strikes back
4: it's a little upstart indie film <laughs> which of. it kind of is yeah, exactly <laughs>
3: So take it away. I'll be back in an hour <laughs>
5: <laughs> they
4: could more than an hour. <laughs> we, Annie and I need an hour just to talk about Irvin Kirshner. Then, then we'll move on. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, I'm counting on both of you to sort of uh, fill me with knowledge because obviously this is, um, well, not obviously, this is my favorite movie of the whole franchise as it is a lot of people. Uh, and it came out when I was nine years old after having seen Star Wars in the theater when I was six, um, three or four or five times I don't remember how many times I went and I loved it obviously but the difference between six years old and nine years old walking into a theater with that anticipation is a really big thing and um it just oh there's something I I can't even articulate what it was like being a kid and seeing this goddamn movie
6: (laughs) Yeah. oh I've become such a because I don't Remember a time never having seen Star Wars? Yeah, I've become like a collector of people's experiences because I Uh can't—I can never have that like (laughs) shock factor of I've always known the big (laughs) twist at the end. So I'll—I'll ask people, I'll take notes, like, what was it like? Did you see it coming? What did you think?
4: None of us Uh, saw that coming. Didn't see it coming. None of us had a clue. It lit. It was a gasper, and I um. I have such funny memories from the first time I saw it. I went with, uh, it's a, it was a weird time in my life. My family was about to move from where we had lived for quite some time to a new place. My dad was military. So we moved periodically. And like, it was one of the last things I did with my best friend's family. Um, so, I have like weird stuff tied to that, like there's a great memory that I will never forget where I was sitting next to her mom, who was the sweetest woman, and during the snow speeder chase, she just leaned over to me and said, "I think I'm gonna barf like just the <laughs> the motion of that on the big screen was so yeah. unlike what anybody had seen. We forget that every moment of these films was really quite groundbreaking, and so yeah. I always think of it as when Sandy thought she might throw up during the movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you know what hit me last night and this morning. I had to split it up because I had to uh, do a, a very late night West Coast thing for book promotion, which was fun. But I ended up it was like twelve fifteen last night, and I was like, I got to finish this in the morning. But it um, there were so many firsts in this movie, uh, and I've noted them, and we'll kind of get to them here and there. But. Uh, I I was just sort of struck by how many firsts there were in the franchise, like little things like it was the first time, you know, when when Vader floated down those stairs during the battle, it's like it was the first time we saw him move like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember being a kid being like, oh, shit, he can do that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) This
4: this just got 10 times scarier.
3: (laughs) A lot of little things like that throughout the whole movie, though, that ended up you sort of take for granted now, but they were done for the first time in this movie.
4: Well, and a lot of things that changed movie making that were done for the first time.
3: Like
5: what?
4: Right. Like, um, so Phil Tippett, of course, very well known now in effects and animation. But this was like the first time he invented go motion, which is stop motion. Normally you pose your, your character, your armature, you take the picture, mm-hmm. you move it, you take the picture he had the idea when they were animating the ADATS which some people like to say ATAT. I like Adat, Both are fine. Um, people
3: say ATAT.
4: Oh yeah, I you do. <laughs> people people
6: get
3: do you Annie's an ATAT? I
4: didn't know this was a controversial opinion. <laughs> oh, every it's Star Wars. Everybody wants to fight about everything. But I, I'm a big fan of both are great. Um, but he had the idea of what if we take the frame while we're actually moving the aperture, so it looks like it has motion blur that completely changed stop motion animation like forever in that one moment. Um, He later of course continued to innovate in that space uh, with Jurassic park, but um, where he was like the person that was like, okay, if we're going digital, we have to figure out how to use these skills and move these over here. Uh, But like, I mean, that's one of those things that now go motion gets used all the time. Standard. It's a standard approach. And it was innovated on this film.
3: Annie, what was your entry point Uh, as a younger star Wars fan? Uh, as in someone who, you know, wasn't nine years old when it came out in 19, uh, what was it, 80? 1980, yep. 40th yeah.
6: anniversary. I'm glad we got this in I, this
3: Oh, wow. I have my yeah, shirt on. Right.
6: I have that shirt, too. I'm wearing it. Uh, we're matching. I'm just so we're cold. Clinical. It's
5: covered <laughs> You
3: all are the best.
6: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like I said, I don't remember a time not seeing them. Um, and it was one of the few movies, because we only had one TV and one VCR, so Star Wars was one of the few series that there was no fighting between my siblings and my parents. Like We all liked it. The last 30 minutes of every VHS ended up getting ruined. Um, I had a huge crush on Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill. It was my longest-running, strongest crush. Uh, and particularly Luke Skywalker and Empire Strikes Back was my favorite. Even though at the time, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie, which I think is interesting because I didn't have all the expectations That people had for Return of the Jedi. So I think that's why it's still my second favorite. Like, Mm Because I was a kid when I saw it and I didn't have all this, like, what's going to happen? I've just always known. Um, We saw it in theaters when it was re-released. It's just got all this, like, nostalgia for me. And during the pandemic, when I'm so stressed, it's become like, I'm on a Star Wars bender. I'm on, like, (laughs) such a Star Wars bender. It's a healthy
3: bender to be on.
6: Uh, Yeah, comparatively. And, you know, keeping with my tradition, I watched... Empire Strikes Back with my mom before this. And she was the sweetest and she listened to all my very like wonky (laughs) Star Wars opinions. And then when I told her about my like very silly quest to get Mark Campbell to tweet at me she's offered to join Twitter and get him to do it I was like well that is the sweetest thing you've ever said to me but please don't I don't want to
4: put you through
3: that that'd be pretty Mark, cute actually Mark talk That's to my daughter <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: she's
6: so she's nice. Really nice you really Has have to do it yet? no no I'm too shy I'm too shy to do anything about it. it's not gonna happen but uh you know we've been mentioned in tweets together so I will I might accept that <laughs> right
3: he was handsome in this. I, I was, uh, when I was watching it, uh, finishing up this morning, there were a couple of shots and I don't know, I never really thought of him as that handsome because he's next to Harrison Ford. And, uh, but today I was like, you know, Mark Hamill, he looks pretty hot in this.
4: He has the most beautiful eyes. Oh my gosh, yes. Right. I'm not even, little Luke was never my thing. I was definitely a Han girl, but like I was not an a, ignorant of the fact that he was you know had incredibly beautiful eyes and he does have that cute little chin and i totally got my friends who were like luke i was like yeah i get it
6: right (laughs) i love the conspiracy theory because you know there was a like car accident and people i was reading articles celebrating the 40th anniversary and some people were like about mark hamill's car accident he died in it and he's not even the same person i'm like he looks the same to me he just looks older
4: (laughs)
5: like
6: yeah it's wild
3: that's it's crazy. That's uh, Carrie Fisher so beautiful in this too. And oh. I was a, maybe I was too young at six years old, but I, I wasn't one of these kids who had a big crush on Princess Leia. Um, but again, watching it last night, and this is the first time I've seen it and probably, I mean, prepare to be offended, but probably six or seven years. Um, but I was just, I was like, man, Carrie Fisher was just beautiful in this movie.
4: Yeah. Yeah, particularly. This is, to me, like all of Leia's best looks, right? Those are her best costumes.
3: Yeah, that hair. Mm -hmm.
4: That bespin gown is what made me fall in love with clothes. That's one of the two garments that I can literally pinpoint and go, this is why I love clothes. Um, I did not wear my... Especially a costume for this recording, <laughs> oh. but I do have several versions of it ready to go at any time. I have one change. that I made. I have one that I made just for running in because oh I God. ran uh, the Princess Half Marathon wearing it one year. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, she looks so spectacularly beautiful in this film. Yeah, and their uh, the, their
3: chemistry with her and uh, Harrison Ford, and and you know, especially in that beginning um, hallway. Exchange is just so white hot and cute, and um it's just just palpable i mean it's uh it just jumps off the screen as as these two are and especially now that you know later on when we see what happens with them, it's really fun to go back and see those early days of of the scoundrel and the uh and her worship, you know,
4: which is funny because apparently they were not getting along on set, yeah. Really? Um, yeah, and I don't know if you've read Princess Diarist, where she talks about how during Star Wars they did have an affair. Oh, really? Uh, according to her, in any case. Um, and the, like, that was apparently over and things were a little contentious at this point. Mm. And so it's kind of funny that what came of that, what blossomed out of it, was this fantastic on-screen energy Um which is pretty interesting. I have always said that this is the most romantic movie to me in the entire world and is about as much romance as I can handle in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just no shade to the rom-coms. They're just, I I can't. Whereas this is like, yes, a little bit of fighting and a little, which is not how I am with my husband at all. But for film, this is it.
3: (laughs) You bring the romance at home?
4: Sure. Um, (laughs) I do want to ask, related to this, have either of you read... From a certain point of view, there are now two volumes of it. <laughs> no, uh, that, so Chuck, to catch you up on what it is, there are these anthology books that um, have come out. There's one for A New Hope, and now the one for Empire just came out recently, where they get a ton of different writers, and they each write a short story about some element of the movie, and then they piece it all together, and you kind of get a different view of what was going on in that in that film from different characters. Like even in in the Empire one, you. Will think very differently about the Wampa afterwards. (laughs) But what's really fun to me and why I mention it now is because several different writers chose to create this thing, and I don't know how much they conferred with each other on this particular point that like everyone at Echo Base knew Han and Leia were into each other and they were so sick of watching him trying to impress her by kind of being a jerk, but also <laughs> be, and it just makes it even funnier for me now.
3: Like workplace complaints.
4: <laughs> right, where they're just like, there was a betting pool going on among the comms team about when he would finally just tell her he liked her. And like, it's, it's such a fun read for anybody that's into Star Wars. I think a um, friend
3: of, did one of the McElroys write on one of those?
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the R five story in A New Hope, I think.
3: Okay, that sounds. Fr- a I new think one so, of them.
4: but don't quote me on that because right. I'm, I can't make new memories. So what a I great gig that with- is!
3: <laughs> <laughs> <I forgot laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, we should also say uh, acknowledge David Prowse, who uh, passed yes. away recently. Uh, very big loss for the Star Wars community. Yeah.
4: Yes. And who apparently um, leaked the most things during this movie? Yeah, he was like, what, wasn't there like six people? They they said no, don't tell them anything. <laughs> yeah, that he um, he was not told about the the Vader being Luke's father thing because they didn't trust him at that point. Really, they yeah. kept that a secret. Yeah, yeah. it was always wow. like three people knew, and then like when the cast saw the movie, I guess the sound people
6: knew. Uh, they were like, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that.
4: Well, when they re- when they filmed, allegedly, like, that line wasn't said at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Hamill knew, and he reacted as though it had been said. Right. They told him the night before, but David Prowse did not know at all. So he just thought, like, this will insert something later, not knowing how much gravity that moment would have.
3: Oh, did they just say, like, uh, how should I gesticulate? And he's like... Hmm. <laughs> Maybe as if you're saying something really important and shocking.
5: Yeah,
4: I don't. I don't know. Maybe we're still we're still working on the script. I don't. Yeah, I don't
3: know. <laughs> Who do y'all picture when, or do you picture anyone at all? And is it just Vader? But do you picture Hayden Christensen grown up, or James? Uh, I was about to say James Earl Ray, like a dummy. Um, <laughs> James Earl Jones or Prowse.
4: Um, Sebastian Shaw. Me too.
3: <laughs> Who's that?
4: <laughs> Charles. I'm sorry. Chazzy. Um, he is the. He was originally, you know, at the end of Jedi when the the mask and helmet come off. That's Sebastian Shaw.
3: Okay, I'm looking now. Tell
4: your sister you were right. Oh. It's Sebastian Shaw.
3: Well, yeah. Now that I'm looking, I forgot about that guy. <laughs> okay, it's totally he should picture. <laughs> Well, the other first in this movie is, um, or one of the other first is when you you see that, you know, iconic shot from the rear when that helmet's coming on. Yeah. You get that glimpse. And I remember yeah. being nine years old and maybe just being a dumb nine-year-old and not knowing any backstory. I, that was the first time I was sort of like, oh, my God, like, there's a real human in there.
4: Yeah. And he is messed up.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. 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 I think
6: this this movie is so great because the first one is like really fun and it has all these archetypes we can connect to. And the second one is just like deepens those things. And Darth Vader, like as a kid, I just thought, Oh, he's the monster. I didn't really put much depth into him, but by introducing him, like, no, he's human. You can see him and he's got, he's kind of messed up. And actually (laughs) he's the father of the hero character. And it just adds so much and it ups the stakes. And I i mean, every time I watch this movie, my friends can confirm this. I react as though I'm here learning for the first time.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. It's so
6: shocking.
3: <laughs> I mean, that whole sequence is uh, it, it may be the one of the best looking sequences in the whole franchise with the steam and their silhouettes yeah. and the, that orange lighting everywhere. Yeah. It just looks fucking fantastic. And it holds up so, so well.
6: Beautiful. Yeah. It's the I. I favorite 20 minutes of cinema of all time and this is my favorite movie of all time if that wasn't clear but I also noticed that behind Vader at that scene it's like a spider web, the, the thing behind him and he's like a spider at the center waiting in this trap and then that's repeated with the Emperor in Return of the Jedi
4: where it's sort mm-hmm. of like a spider web behind him and um, we didn't even have kriknas yet so
3: what's a Did I just
4: go a little, too far? <laughs>
3: <laughs> a little too far just tell me what it is
4: Um, they're, um, they're like spider like creatures. I think we first saw them in star Wars rebels. Okay. And then, um, they're very similar, but I think not an identical species to the thing that showed up, the things that showed up in the ice cave in the Mandalorian that freaked a lot of people, including my husband out. It was a little too real for him in the arachnid zone. Um, prickness.
3: Well, since you brought up the Mandalorian, uh, this is our first taste of Boba Fett. And, uh, what is it about Boba Fett? Is it the mystery? Is it that cool ass outfit? Like, I remember being a kid and everyone just being like, who is that? And why do I want to run out and get that action figure next?
4: And shoot that rocket into my mouth and joke. Yeah. <laughs> which we never got to do. Um, I don't know because I was never a Boba Fett person. Me either. So so i was not kind I was literally the person in terms of bounty hunters that came out of this movie and was like, what is that lizard dude about? Like I was, I was way interested in Bosk and IG88. Um but uh yeah uh, as a fun little trivia moment, do you guys remember the first time Boba Fett's name was ever said on screen in a movie? No. It's not Any? said, right? Is it?
3: ET. ET. <laughs> oh.
4: Yeah, cuz he had been in the holiday special, but his name isn't isn't uh isn't mentioned. Uh, until Elliot is playing with his action figures and he mentions Boba Fett. Yeah, I remember the first that. time it was said in a film. Well, that's one of the things about these movies is a lot of things aren't ever
6: mentioned, but because they were so successful at merchandising and like toys, right? And looks right. They and became all that stuff. their own legendary things. Yeah, yeah, like the Wampa. You never saw, the Ewoks. I'm pretty sure is never said. Um, Emperor Palpatine has never said at least in these like original trilogy and huh. we all kind of know that stuff because that's how impactful these yeah. movies were but
4: we saw the Emperor for the first time in this one yes yeah.
6: which is another thing I love because you start with Darth Vader thinking he's the ultimate villain and in this one they're like yeah. wait there's someone else
4: <laughs> he's got a boss yes
3: <laughs> yeah that was a big deal because um, you know Darth Vader was the scariest it really kind of hit me last night of how ingrained especially when you see these things as a kid, like I guess everyone probably does, TIE fighter bad, Imperial cruiser bad, Vader bad, Stormtrooper bad. It's just, you don't even think of them. It's so ingrained. It's like a part of our DNA. Uh, even now, like when I see those TIE fighters and I hear that sound, yeah, I'm just like, oh no. And when I see those X-wings, I think, all right. <laughs> it's so weird. It's instinct. Gosh.
4: Shout out to Ben Burt for those sound designs. Amazing. I think the sound design and the music, this is the first time you hear Imperial
6: March, which is just iconic. Um, And I've read recently, we did an episode on um, Princess Leia over on Stuff Mom Never Told You, and I just read all these fascinating articles about how Star Wars is a part of like American mythology. You can't, even if you don't know, it's a part of you. Even if you haven't seen it, you probably know the twist. And there are these things that have you've absorbed without knowing about these movies.
3: I'm going to have to listen to that episode. uh, (laughs) The
6: longest outline I've ever written. It's 25 pages.
3: (laughs) Oh, wow. I can't wait because it's Leia really comes into her own in this movie. And I think it's easy to take for granted um, the fact that you're seeing a movie in 1980 with a woman given the orders to the army And I was nine, so you didn't think about that stuff then. I just thought, like, yeah, that makes sense. But looking back, that was a really big deal.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I like to think, you know, when you meet Leia, she's already a hero. Like, she's already there. Luke and Han have to like go on these journeys and she, sure she has an arc as well but I, I love how Luke breaks in and he's like I'm here to rescue you and she's like no <laughs> this isn't working That's for cute me <laughs> Yeah, let me take over this plan for you because this isn't good it, I yeah, love her, she yeah. was a
3: badass but I think in this movie she became a true leader yeah or not became one it you know like you all great it. Star Wars movies it joins it in progress which is one thing I just love about and especially Empire it it joins with so much inertia with all that first act stuff on Hoth and leaves you with the greatest cliffhanger in movie history, maybe. Yes. And it, it, I remember being thrilled at the cliffhanger and so upset that I was going to have to wait. Yeah. Like, And you didn't have to wait. You got to just pop in the next one. It was cruelty to have to wait years.
4: It was a little brutal, yeah. It was
3: very hard for a young boy.
4: I'm sorry for your, your difficulties.
3: That's all right. I made it Oh,
4: through. yes. These are the greatest trials of our lives. Um, yes. I actually But did... also. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say what a risk it was to put it in the middle of, of this trilogy to mm-hmm. give us such a dark film, to give us a cliffhanger, This is the one where Lucas was like, no, I'm going to pay for it myself with a lot of borrowed money that he was very nervous about and had to do a lot of like hat in hand kind of promising to various people to make it all happen.
3: Did he pay for it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He was pretty disillusioned by the studio system uh, by the time uh, Star Wars, which now we call A New Hope, was done. And so, I mean, he was doing this and, like, Lee Brackett was working on the original screenplay while he was getting Lucasfilm really established as a full company and not just kind of like a, a company on paper that was needed for legal reasons. Like, he was getting the offices set up in Marin County. He was getting his team together. He was getting ILM really up to speed to be able to do the level of effects that he wanted now that he could do a slightly bigger budget movie. Um it's it's a lot to think about. Somebody in their twenties going like, I am going to take on thirty three million dollars of debt. That's nuts. And take a risk that will either make my career or kill it. Yeah, yeah.
6: Um, and what my point was going to be similar to that of like at this time there weren't really sequels. They were thought of as worse. And then to have this movie coming off this really like popular fun, you know, <laughs> space romp. Um, to start in the middle, like I until I was reading about this, I didn't really realize it has no real beginning, it has no real end. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it is darker and it has these just more complicated themes, and then you're introducing like a puppet, which there's so many things about Star Wars that now we just love them and we know like oh this was going to succeed but you didn't know that was going to work like
4: no <laughs> introducing a mentor that was played by a puppet like all- i very clearly remember adults in my life going wait they're gonna have muppets in this one like just complete incredulity that it was ever gonna be anything worthwhile
3: <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah, boy, were you wrong <laughs>
0: But you didn't. I mean, know that I at was, and I was like,
4: "Yeah, give me the Muppets. That's cool." Um, but adult, adults were a little jaded, <laughs> oh, yeah, and not yeah, ready to. Oh, ready I thought you said you another. were. Uh, oh no, oh, okay. I was. I wasn't. I was nine like you. I didn't have incredulity yet.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <But> then,
4: <laughs> like, there's also the whole. They start with their big action
3: sequence, which is
6: a flip of most blockbuster movies.
3: Yeah, well, and, a lot of them do it now, I think.
6: Well, after this, yeah, this changed completely. This the mm-hmm. trilogy setup. The way that uh, the stories are told in those. And then also the summer blockbuster, which I didn't know. But this was the beginning of the, A New Hope was the beginning of the summer blockbuster.
3: Mm, I might argue Jaws.
6: Well, Jaws, right. yeah. But um, did you know A New Hope was rescheduled because of Smokey and the Bandit? They thought that was going to really. be more
4: successful. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, that is very I quick. Mean, si- that makes, go ahead.
4: That makes sense, right? It's like big names. It's fun. It's comedy, sexy ladies. Like, I could see where somebody on paper went, this is the movie that's going to make money this year. Like, I understand that.
3: So uh, everyone talks about Larry Kasdan and the writing, but someone I don't know much about is Lee Brackett. And I would love to hear more about her.
4: Well, one of the reasons we don't know a lot about her is because she died two weeks after she finished the initial script. Really? Really? Yeah, she had cancer. She wrote this while she was um, you know, in the ends of her treatment.
3: So she wrote uh, this uh, her, the first draft by herself. Yes. And then it was handed over to Lawrence Kasdan
4: and George Lucas, yeah. Wow.
3: And they reworked it. Oh so my gosh. that's
4: that's one of the reasons there have been many discussions over the years about how much is really hers that remains in the final version.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um but yeah, she uh, she doesn't get a lot of attention because she was not a- around and she didn't you know work on subsequent projects. She didn't do the revisions on it, et cetera.
3: Do we have any real intel on her original story?
4: Um, yeah, some. I mean, the, those original drafts exist. Like one of the interesting things is that Yoda had. I think he was called the Critter in the very first one. <laughs> oh. Um, That's cute. And then that that evolves a few times, but they're all kind of names like that, where it's like the little monkey. <laughs> um, the themes got a little bit darker in the rework. Um, I haven't done a lot of a lot of scholarship level study of of <laughs> how that shifts. I feel like
6: wasn't it in her version there was the the twin was revealed at the end and her name was like Nellith or something.
4: There were some other, um, some other familial shifts I know that went on. Like, I think Obi-Wan was even introduced as possibly being Luke's parentage instead of Vader. Oh. Um, yeah, there were uh, a lot of stuff did change from one to the next.
2: It's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And let's talk about Irving Kirshner. Uh, I know that you have a lot to say about the Kirsch.
4: (laughs) Well, it's interesting, right? The last movie he did before this was Eyes of Laura Mars, which is a Faye Dunaway film. Uh-huh. Um, there's, he had done a lot of television directing. He got his, his big break, really, because Roger Corman let him direct some TV. Um, but it's interesting because everyone associates him with this film. Like He could make whatever he wanted for the rest of his life, and he was always going to be Empire's director.
3: As it should be. Yeah. What else did he, he do?
4: he um oh I was I was not ready to shift gears back to what else Kirsch did what's interesting um I want to mention in terms of Empire most people will say I think you guys would agree I know I would that in terms of acting and character this is the strongest of the original trilogy yeah and it's because Kirshner was very into like let's work with the actors on set let's improvise let's do this which drove production bananas because this film went way over budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we're out in the the snow of Norway is not really the time to spend a lot more money so people can say this one line a few different ways. <laughs> um, but he was like, no, character driven. We got to let these actors figure this out. Uh, that's really because of Kirshner.
3: So it looks like he did uh, Never Say Never Again, the Bond film. Yeah, uh, that was when, the
4: next thing he did, right? When
3: Connery came back a few years later, and then uh, RoboCop 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, fantastic.
6: <laughs> I haven't seen that, so I don't know how to react to RoboCop 2.
3: Well, <laughs> I mean, it's...
4: It's been a while for me, to
6: be It's honest.
3: not RoboCop 1, that's all I'll say.
4: Well, I haven't seen <laughs> RoboCop 1, so I don't know how to react to that. Oh, oh
3: so great, Annie. <laughs> uh, so we talked a little bit about the clothes. I mean, part of the fun of of seeing this as a kid uh, was literally just seeing different hairstyles and different clothes, you know, Han, uh, they're all sort of in largely the same clothes in the first movie, uh, except for, you know, with a couple of exceptions, but just seeing Han in that jacket instead of the vest uh, and seeing Luke sort of styled out just a little bit more and not in his, you know, in his farm boy outfit uh, really kind of cool stuff. His hair looks darker too, I think.
4: Yeah. All those winter clothes.
3: Yeah, boy, how All how, how good parkas. did Han look in that, uh, in that fuzzy coat?
4: Listen. <laughs> Which is brown, by the way. On film, it looks blue. Oh, is it? That actual costume piece is brown. Mm-hmm. One of us might have followed around the Star Wars costume exhibit as though it were the Grateful Dead when it toured.
3: <laughs> My note here says... Uh, Han was so hot in his snow bunny clothes. <laughs> 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 Last night I was watching, I was like, va va voom. I forgot about that jacket.
4: <laughs> Dear me. <laughs> yeah, Han on a Tauntaun is pretty gallant. That's some dashing business.
3: That stuff still looks pretty good, too. I mean, yeah. it's go motion, which, you know, obviously it's not going to hold up to, like, today's standard, but it, it looks pretty great. I think the... Uh, The Tontons look good. I think they shot them in a pretty smart way with when they weren't moving. They just sort of did those pretty, pretty tight close ups where you just got a taste of the rest of the animal. Um, And, you know, you thought they smelled bad on the outside. It's one of the great lines ever.
6: (laughs) Yeah, this movie has so many quotable lines. Um, But most of them
3: are Rahans, too. (laughs) I don't
6: know. Yoda's got a few. Oh, well, Sure. Pretty much everything Yoda says is kind of quotable just because as a kid you like doing that voice. Yeah. (laughs) Seeing if you can pull
5: it (laughs) off.
3: (laughs) What are some of your favorite iconic moments uh, that are not, you know, uh, I'm your father, like sort of on-the-nose ones? I know you're thinking of 3,000 things each. I
4: know, (laughs) I know. I love literally everything with Lando. I mean... Uh, yeah. Everything with Lando... I really think nobody gives Billy D. Williams enough credit for how stinking good he is in this movie. Yeah. Like he could have been chew the scenery level charmer, but he downplays it just enough that he's just smooth as silk at every turn. Yeah. Even when he's being choked. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you really get a sense of their friendship and um, their, and he even sort of has a little uh, outfit homage at the end when he's wearing that vest. I never really picked up on that before. Well, I feel Um, like they
6: were like, maybe Han Solo won't come back. So this might be the new Han Solo. (laughs) He's wearing his clothes.
3: (laughs) How did y'all feel about the Han Solo movie seeing the scene where he won the, how he won the, the Millennium Falcon. Did that, were y'all good with that?
4: I love it. You can't, you You can't see me on the microphone drawing hearts in the air. I, I seriously love that film. Like I, Solo was, like, perfect for me. Okay. Annie?
6: Yeah, I I loved it, too. I thought it was really fun. Um, And it, it inspired a lot of debates, very silly debates between me and my friend about, like, did Lando have sex with the Millennium Falcon, which don't weigh in. It's stupid, but... Um,
4: <laughs> You're not the only people having those discussions. I know that FYI. in my
6: heart. I know that to be true. FYI. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a minute since I've seen it. I did love um, Donald Glover as Lando. Like, oh, yes. Oh, so good. Amazing. So one
3: of the great casting calls of all time, I think.
6: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The cape, like his little
4: cape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that cape closet. It's my yes. dream. It's my yes. dream. It's yeah. A, I mean, I, oh, I was just going to say, I think it, it pretty nicely and carefully set up, you know, their relationship in retrospect in a way that wasn't for me too heavy handed. I know some people thought it was a little, a little too on the nose at times, but I really thought it was kind of pitch perfect.
3: Yeah. I liked it. I need to see it again. My first viewing experience wasn't great. So that's never good. I need to give it its due. Um, but in Empire, I remember when I was nine, just being so devastated by the double crossing when those doors open and you see Vader, I was yeah. crushed yeah. and, uh, you know, he redeems himself, obviously, but I was really, really upset. You know, I remember thinking, cause I'm a Pisces and Pisces are all about loyalty and friendship. And I didn't know that at the time, but there wasn't anything <laughs> worse you could do. And I still feel that way than, than betray a friend like that.
4: Yeah, it's ugly, but I think it's also an interesting entry point for kids, whether they're cognizant of it or not. I'm sure none of us were like, oh, this gives me a a way to think about the nuances of the difficulties of life. (laughs) But it does it. You realize, like, if he hadn't betrayed Han, all of the people that he was responsible for in Bespin were potentially going to die or be enslaved.
5: Yeah, it's
3: true.
4: Like, that's a, I wouldn't want to be put in that position.
3: And he says he um, has to, and he makes that quite clear.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> over and over.
4: <laughs> Bespin is, BT dubs, the one place in the Star Wars universe I would move without hesitation, although I doubt I could afford an apartment.
3: I'm looking up Bespin now. I don't know, Cloud that's
4: Cloud City. You know.
3: Oh, okay.
6: I was thinking about, like, just the set pieces in this. And they're amazing, because you've got Hoth and, like, this, barren snowy place and then you got Dagobah which is this swamp and then I what I love about Bespin is it's beautiful it's stunning but then like when you go in deeper it becomes this kind of labyrinth trap like like the lighting the orange and the blue and juxtaposition so it's like really pretty on the outside mm-hmm. but the deeper and deeper you go the more frightening and unsettling it is
4: Look, everything beautiful has to be supported by probably an ugly infrastructure. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so
3: so I think? always said cl- Cloud City. What is, is Cloud City? To explain that. What's <laughs> Bespin compared to Cloud City?
4: They're the same. They're the same.
3: Oh, it's just a different word?
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: We don't mean to confuse
4: you, so I,
3: I know. <laughs> I mean, that's why I have you all in here, you know?
4: Well, yeah. and I mean, to be fair, right, Bin is, in fact the planet it's the gas giant in the star system that is the bespin system okay and then cloud city <laughs> hovers above all that oh
3: man this is great
4: i love i'm it. so sorry <laughs> no, this is, i love this so much <laughs> i'm so sorry um yeah so but it gets used interchangeably on the casual so yeah that's what's up with that
5: yeah
3: uh i have another first here on my list Yes. When Luke gives Chewie that little scritch on the neck, which is great and adorable. That's sort of the first time, I think, that we see Chewie kind of treated like an animal. And, you know, like you would scratch a dog. And he clearly (laughs) loves it. He's not an animal, though.
6: I've never really thought about that. (laughs) That Has anyone else
3: ever scratched him like that?
4: I'm trying to think if he got... Uh, I know Leia hugs him right in A New Hope. But I don't know if she gave him any scritches in the process.
3: That scritch was so cute.
4: <laughs> it is. Listen, I like scritches. That doesn't make me an animal. Well,
3: that's um, true. I could scratch your neck. you probably like that.
4: <laughs> right? I like it. I'm always scratching my own head like I'm a kitty. So, uh, yeah. No. Just delightful. Uh, I I like too that we get a little bit more of Han and Chewie's kind of yeah. married people bickering, yeah, <laughs> like
5: yeah,
6: fighting I, I,
4: over the repairs and like, yeah. listen, I'm doing my part, yeah, uh, Yeah. and funny. I love
6: the Millennium Falcon is like this old car that like never really works, but it's so loved yeah. anyway.
3: <laughs> well, it's so well used in this movie. The, yeah. the the running joke of the hyperspace jump, yeah, and that great sound effect mm-hmm. you know that like wah, literally wah, wah, yeah wah, like a sad wah, wah, trombone wah, version yeah. of the spaceship uh it's it's great i mean it's a classic movie thing to to bring yeah. something back a few times and then you think you need it all these times but when you really 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 need it it comes through
4: yeah well and it's also like a lovely i always think of the millennium falcon as really like the part of george lucas's roots that just loves muscle cars yeah. and, like, yeah. drag racing and all of that. It is the beater that delivers when you need it. Right. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, and I like to think of the Empire just having all these headaches over the ship that, in theory, like, is just breaking down all the time, and yet yeah. <laughs> it manages to get away.
4: <laughs> Did you guys... Um, this is one of those things every time I watch this movie, because this one was the first time we really see... What a dick of a manager Darth Vader is, oh, right? Yeah. Like, where I was just like, who would want to work for the Empire? Like, yeah, <laughs> what is the benefit? Is it the only yeah. way that you make any kind of money in the galaxy during this time? Because I don't see another reason to take this job.
6: Yeah, I, I mean, I have a Star Wars drinking game, and every time he chokes somebody, is definitely one. <sighs> I, I have to Poor imagine Ozzel. there's some type of pride. I would think of like being competent enough for Vader, but I'm sure I just fear all the time. And then I'm also kind of perplexed at his plan in general. Like, I don't know why he went after Han and Leia when he could have just got after Luke, but, you know, Vader's got a Vader. I, I...
3: <laughs> it's definitely an organization where you probably have to give some thought of how high you want to work up that ladder. Um, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. is the money that much better To be chokable or to just be one of those dudes. It's definitely (laughs) flying under the radar. Like there's so many, and I didn't even notice this much until this viewing, so many great little side eye shots of all these guys that are like, oh shit is he <laughs> especially is this my time <laughs> at the end, oh boy at the end when it finally does jump to hyperspace yeah. oh yeah and everyone's looking around like oh god are we all gonna be toast and he walks by there are a lot by, of white
4: knuckles on the executive
3: <laughs> he walks by that one guy that's yeah. sort of footsing on an ipad kind of like okay he's just walking by he me now busy, look busy. and right as he walks by he goes and no one gets killed, and it's just it's such a kind of funny moment I think that you gotta be a little bit older to appreciate
4: yes. yeah <laughs> idea- have I told you guys I have two cats named after imperial officers in this film <laughs>
3: <laughs> What are they
4: uh Ozil and veers
3: okay and, and which an ad- which ones are they ad- are they the two?
4: They're gray. That was kind of the sell to my husband when um, a friend of ours rescued them, and I immediately wanted two of the kittens out of the four that they had rescued. And I was like, "But they're in little. They're gray. They're like in little imperial uniforms." Brian, we <laughs> call them <Ozil> and Veers. <laughs> that was the sell.
3: How many? How many cats do you have now? Five. Okay. Five. Any and cats? now
4: Oslin and Veers are are elderly no, gents. No they're about to turn sixteen, so they're wow. They've survived Vader.
3: <laughs> now, which guys are they in the movie? Are they the, the main two?
4: No. Admiral Ozel is the one that gets choked because he comes out of hyperspace too close to the Hoth system.
3: Oh, is he the one that gets choked and dies?
4: Yeah. Yeah. That
3: scene is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's almost like a, a, a sketch, a comedy sketch. Oh, yeah. Like a Mr. Show or something. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. he's just falling down in the background and the other guy's kind of like half listening and half like, OK, this is happening right now, right? Yeah. yeah
4: Piet is like, when do I step into frame? Like, yeah. He's just like, I don't know what to do here. Um, and then uh, General Maximilian Veers is the one that uh, leads the ground assault on Hoth. OK. You see him in the cockpit of one of the ad ats and he's one of the few Imperials that survives.
3: Yeah. I think uh, it's one of the fun things about this movie is you can you can laugh at some of this stuff. And that scene, which is kind of corny. And the end, which, you know, the guy footsing around on his little tablet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can find humor in that. And not it's not like dissing the movie in any way.
6: No. Yeah. I actually, one of the things... When I think about why I love these movies so much, I think it—that's part of it—is they're so sincere. There are these really goofy elements, like the ice cream maker guy or Gonk or that big.
4: Um, his name is Will Rowhood. I knew you know name. I like calling ice cream
6: maker guy. His name is Will Rowhood. I know he's got a whole backstory, but he's always ice cream maker guy to me.
3: I knew um, this would happen at some point.
6: But <laughs> I love that they—we just love it so much, and it, it because it's so sincere and so genuine it it works and you can find like joy in those things instead of like making fun of it. It's sort of like, Oh, this joyful experience. Yeah. Um, and it's very difficult, I think to pull that off,
3: but they did it. Totally. Uh, let's talk about the genius of splitting with bringing everyone together at the beginning. These characters that we love so much had that great uh, first act so much action and adventure and then splitting everyone up yeah. or splitting up Luke from from the gang and splitting up R2 and 3PO. Uh-huh. It was just such a smart move, like structurally, I think.
6: Yeah, I've, I've never really appreciated how Mark Hamill really doesn't act with a lot of human people in this movie. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. That's true.
4: Him and Frank Oz hanging out in the swamp. And he couldn't
6: really hear him, right? So he's
4: just kind yeah. of like <laughs> reacting when they pointed at him.
3: No, why um, could not yeah. you hear him?
4: Because he was under a platform, sure. Performing, but they the couldn't figure that out. <laughs> well, I mean, like, no, apparently not. Like, you know, he just was was removed from the main set in a way that they would have had to drill holes, I think, everywhere to make the sound carry upward.
3: Yeah, all that stuff is so great, though. I mean, yeah. getting introduced to the to Hoth was a big deal because you see something different. Seeing Dagobah for the first time was this really cool new world, even though it was gross and swampy, and. uh I love camping and I love small spaces. So I rem- and it may have started with Yoda's hut, quite frankly, because last night I was getting all the the spiny tingles when he was in that <laughs> little tiny space and had that fire going. Yeah, I was just like, oh man, I want to live in that thing.
4: <laughs> I should send you a recipe for root leaf stew. You can complete the yeah. Complete There's the a vibe. really good one actually in what? the Galaxy's Edge Cookbook. I thought I would hate it. Um, amazing! Because, uh, that cookbook is amazing. By the way, for anybody who has not picked it up, I have literally made every single recipe in it. And wow! Winners, winners! <laughs> it's not. Um, it's not like uh, a lot of novelty cookbooks are really, really aimed at kids and like people that don't cook. But this has legitimate cooking going on in it. Um, and root leaf stew is like this great little vegetarian. Mushroom and root vegetables thing that has cinnamon in it. And I thought I w- Ooh, would not like it. And in fact, I love it. There's <laughs> my plug for a book that I have nothing to do with.
5: Other <laughs> the fact that I read it a lot.
3: Annie, have you ever made Star Wars meals?
4: Chuck,
6: of course I've made Star <laughs> Wars meals. I love this. I love feeling like you're in the minority. I know, right?
4: <laughs> it's so rare. <laughs> well, oh, duh. Yeah. I know. would do it? it on life day. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know.
3: You know my deal. I love the shit out of these movies, but I just didn't go next level. You did, and he y'all, didn't, y'all he didn't
4: catch Star Wars rabies.
3: Yeah, y'all exist uh, next level. So <laughs> it's a wonderful thing.
4: Yeah.
6: Uh, I mean, and speaking of first, this is the first time you meet Yoda and uh, he is so opposite of what you would think when you think of this, like, Jedi warrior. And I love that they play on that, that Luke is immediately like, no, it's not you. Like, leave me alone. Um, And I love, because this is a pretty classic hero's arc with Luke's storyline, but I love how it's this one in particular, like, he starts needing rescuing and he ends needing rescuing. And it's just, like, constant (laughs) failure. And it it makes it, it feels like this is more of a person now, and, and less, like, this hero caricature. This is somebody who has a lot to learn and has, like, these struggles to overcome, and then you get that big reveal at the end, and you're like, well, now this is way more complicated. And, like, everything I knew to be true isn't true, and what do I do with that? And what, how dangerous that is. Like they say, this is a very dangerous time for you, Luke. It is.
3: That's why I liked Luke. And that's, uh, maybe we should all just do uh, Return of the Jedi together, too.
6: Can we please? I already put on a list. Yeah,
3: let's do it. Um, And a new hope. (laughs) Because that movie... I've already done A New Hope, but we should do it again. No, let do it again. <laughs> Killian picked that, which is speaks to him. But um, that's one thing I didn't like about Jedi was that Luke was too much of a badass. And I was like, where's that guy, that kid that needed help? He was mm. too tough and too too good at, yeah. at doing what he did.
4: Which is funny because you know it's a very much dialed back version of Luke than what Mark Hamill initially wanted to do. Did he want to just be like? He wanted to be like even more ripped. Yes, completely like you know super hard ass, like really really built. Like he'd been doing. And George Lucas was like, no. The point is that he learns that none of that is what actually gives you strength as a Jedi. Yeah. Um, it's about like learning where your center is and, and being part of the the living force and not necessarily going out and dominating things. Um, yeah,
3: that's well, a nice segue actually to the, I, I feel like in empire, we get more of the spirituality and much more of the force and sort of what that means. It's yeah. obviously, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi hinted that stuff in the first one, but, uh, I don't know what you people call it. What is it? The the religion? <laughs>
4: <laughs> you people. <laughs> I know, right?
3: Uh, no, next levelers. I don't know <laughs> what levelers. next levelers call it cuz I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm scared now.
4: No. Oh, oh like no. if you call if you call um what the je- the Jedi order a religion?
3: Yeah, or just the force, you know. It, it really you get more uh more knowledge about it in this as what it is. That's yeah. a clumsy way to say it.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to take for granted now that we've seen them and they've been a part of our cultural psyche for so long. But at this point, you didn't really know much about the Force and the light side and the dark side. And um, like that whole vision in the cave, that like really creepy uh, vision and having Yoda say things like luminous beings are we. Um, it did. And I remember as a kid, and I think this is really funny now because I think it speaks to what, who I became. I really was suspicious of the force. I was like, I I don't know about this. And I was I was I was thinking Luke was getting tricked, and I'm like, you need to stay away from this whole thing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I would get really mad about it. My brothers would be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, no, I don't, I don't trust any of this, <laughs> even at four. And actually, you know, it's interesting now, with the prequels and everything. I always thought that. Oh god, this is probably a bigger discussion, but I always thought that Luke had what made Luke special, they were kind of trying to destroy and and then in the end, you know, he kind of chooses he makes his own path which worked out in various not so great ways, but also good ways, but like when he throws away his lightsaber and he has to confront Vader and as a kid I was like, "Well, why are they making him confront Vader? I don't understand." Um, could keep saying no violence, but now I know confront
4: doesn't have to mean violence right Right. (laughs) confront doesn't mean physical fight yes yeah i mean i will say i think i have some of those same seeds because to me the the parts of the star wars saga that are most interesting and beloved by me are not the jedi parts it's like the scrappy people just trying to like make their way in the universe Mm -hmm. um because all of that dogma did, I I do the same thing where I lean away from it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, um,
6: <laughs> I don't know about this.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I would not have been a part of the Jedi Order for sure. Uh-oh.
3: Well, I think you know you're responding to human stories, and like these movies would not have worked had there not been, you know, a great love story at the heart of it, and and stories of redemption and the the hero's journey like that's all got to be there otherwise it would have been uh I'm trying to think of sort of a bad kind of corny space movie from back then but you had to have those elements for it to work
4: yeah right i mean the the heart of it i mean i say this about everything but i firmly believe in my soul Like, what most people are responding to in stories is all about identity and how they identify themselves, how Mm -hmm. they identify interacting with that story, and who they identify with in the story. And in this case, you have a bunch of people. Luke is trying to figure out who the hell he is and what this new information, which is a little bit bonkers to be taking in. I mean, do you remember, Chuck, as a kid, when Obi-Wan showed up as a ghost? Were you like, what the hell is going on here? Like, it completely cracked the whole thing open in a new way.
3: Yeah, I remember being very confused and there being a lot of playground uh, debate about (laughs) how those lightsabers worked. Um, Because, like, it'll cut off a hand. It'll also vanish a motherfucker. But also he's alive in another, we thought he was just in like another dimension or something. And there was just a lot of speculation about how it worked and where old Ben Kenobi went. Mm. I still don't know if I understand it.
4: (laughs) This is one of those things where like there is a a lot of uh, later information that kind of helps bolster those stories, right? Where Qui-Gon is really the first one that figured out that That idea of becoming so one with the Force that death was not the end. Right. Um, And that you could still communicate with people in the physical realm. Which is kind Um, of
6: ironic because that's what Palpatine was
4: promising Anakin. He wanted it so bad and he couldn't get it. I do have a question for you guys. And I don't, I'm presuming everyone is up on the Mandalorian.
3: I am not this season.
4: Okay um so annie yes um
3: <laughs> should i leave for five <laughs> minutes you leave chuck <laughs> i will take my headphones off for a couple of minutes if you want
4: this this really will not matter at all i don't okay. think you we all know i'm not going to give any spoilers because i it's so fun to have the discovery on that show but so we know at this point that the baby is 50 The last time I watched Empire, I had this like gobsmacked moment because Yoda mentions that he has been training Jedi for 800 years. Uh He mentions in Jedi that he's 900 years old. Yeah. So by this time scale, it's like he was still a little kid when he started training Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because like, I don't know what happens in the 50 years between 50 and 100. That's true. But developmentally, the baby is still real little and very much a baby at 50. So it was just a, it makes me look at everything about Yoda differently, where I'm like, is this why he is so childlike in so many ways? Is that just an aspect of this species that they always retain that kind of like silly impulse driven wonder for the entirety of their lives? Um. Yeah, It's a, it makes Yoda super interesting in new ways to me.
6: Uh, maybe he was exaggerating.
4: <laughs> um, I, Yoda I, never
6: lies. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's funny about, I guess, me as a kid is I also, I liked Yoda, but that's a type of character I'm automatically suspicious of. The wise old character that's the mentor that seems to know everything. So mm-hmm. I was really like... You know, I like your voice and you're funny, but I don't think I don't see what you're doing.
4: <laughs> right. Are you manipulating me? <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this.
6: Um, but one of the things I really love about this movie is it. the whole thing feels kind of dreamlike and surreal. And definitely on Dagobah, that gets upped. Like, it just feels like, <laughs> is this really happening right now? Am I hallucinating?
3: No, it is. it is. It like if they would have pulled the rug out and said that was a dream sequence the whole time it would have made a little bit of sense um cuz it is sort of surreal and Luke keeps saying things about like I feel like I've been here before and uh he alludes to some of that stuff and it also like as far as the first go the um when that X-wing is is floated out of the swamp that was I remember being a kid and and being like okay so yeah. wow the force Is much more than lifting rocks and, uh, and you know, being able to close your eyes and and block laser shots with a lightsaber. Like the true, true power of it really kind of hit home, uh, when that X Wing and it was such a great, great part of the movie.
6: Yeah. I know Taika Waititi, has said that's his favorite, his -hmm. favorite scene. Um, that is why you fail. Uh, and the music there is so great. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I
3: cried this morning, you guys.
5: Yes.
6: You
3: know which part, and I didn't see it coming. It just all of a sudden my eyeballs were leaking at nine fifteen a.m. <laughs> you want to take a guess?
5: Uh,
4: uh, I want to make an Ugnot joke, but that's not. <laughs> I, I, I want to. <laughs> uh, yeah.
5: Is that like
3: a knock knock joke?
4: <laughs> no, the Ugnots on Cloud City. What, what are those? Those little, those little pig face looking dudes. Oh, okay. In the Mandalorian, Queel is an Ugnaught. Okay, so this is right. the first time we see Ugnaughts, which also become important.
3: And that would make me cry.
4: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe.
3: Anyone? Mm. Any got a guess?
4: C-3po getting blasted to pieces.
3: <laughs> no, so you that got was kind of funny.
4: Half, so you're the second
6: half.
3: Uh. Oh yeah, there's a clue. <laughs> um,
4: ah, content. Is it when Leia senses Luke?
3: Fuck yes, it was. Yeah.
4: That's a moment for me, too, that sometimes triggers me unexpectedly because... Out of
3: nowhere. I don't just, think there's oh a God. human
4: alive that has more expressive eyes than Carrie Fisher in that moment. Yeah,
3: yeah. it was. It, I mean, I was just watching the movie having a good old time and that music swelled. yeah. I'm like starting to get choked up even just thinking about it. So let's just move on. But (laughs) I I was fully fucking crying on the couch. Uh, Very, very powerful moment. And I was just like, what is it? I've seen this movie dozens of times after all these years as a 49 year old man to just break down in tears like that. Like, what is it about these people? It's remarkable.
6: It is. It is. I mean, I like. Holly said, I feel like you are—you do identify with these people, and it just feels... I had a friend who refused to watch Star Wars for the longest time, and she kept saying, I don't like space, and I don't like sci-fi, and I was like, it is not... I don't
3: like space?
6: Yeah, she doesn't like things in space. <laughs> and I was like, it's not... It's like a a fantasy or a fairy tale, or it's these archetypes, these themes we all connect to. Like, if you take yeah. away that space part, we're just... We're into these human characters mm-hmm. and how they connect and interact with each other. And it's so powerful still. Like I said, I still act as though when Luke gets his hand cut off and the revelation comes, I'm like, no,
4: this is awful. Every time. I I have a theory on why it sets you off, Chuck. Okay. Um, Just because there is a great deal of emotional resonance in that moment. And I think part of it is, right, like we see Luke right before that at an extraordinarily terrifying point, right? Like he is literally dangling from a weather vane over a gas giant like we don't know and the idea that at your very darkest time someone that just loves you enough that you have a deep enough connection that they will just know you need help is very moving and since you did mention as a Pisces that like those kinds of like loyalty relationships yeah. are very important to you I would see why that would be a, a, a real touch point for you
3: will you be my therapist
4: sure <laughs> sure <laughs>
3: I can't find a good one. Online therapy sucks.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I have been very happy with online therapy. Really? Yeah, my, my therapist that I had for four years left, though, this year, she decided to start teaching full time, which sucked because she was really into Star Wars. So we had all of this like shorthand <laughs> yeah. where we could talk about it. And she would talk about Darth Vader's psychology forever if I let her, which was great. So You're like,
3: sometimes I feel like my husband is just nothing more than a scruffy looking nerve herder.
4: <laughs> yeah. I, I feel you.
3: And then he pops in the background in the Zoom and goes, who's scruffy looking? <laughs> No. Yeah, I tried I this, this one new guy, online therapy, and I literally could tell he was distracted and, like, surfing the internet or something. Yeah. Oh, and I, no. I, I ghosted him. I just, like, I left the meeting. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not even wow. going to finish this one.
4: Yeah, if it's not working, that's not. No. Yeah. If it's not working, it's not working. So He
3: emailed me. And he's like, was there something wrong with your connection? I was like, dude, I'm not even going to email you back. <laughs>
4: yes, yeah, there was something wrong you. with the connection. Yeah.
3: Uh, what are some of your other favorite lines? Um, never tell me the odds. I mean, that's one of the greats.
4: Laugh it up, right. fuzzball.
3: Laugh it up, fuzzball.
4: Do or do not. No. Do there or do no not. Try. It's cliche, but damn, that's some good advice.
3: <laughs> no, uh, I am your father. Which everyone, yes. not everyone gets wrong. Next levelers certainly don't. But uh, it's one of the misquoted lines in movie history. I think. Don't you yeah.
6: think? Yeah, one of the most misquoted. I don't. Yeah, I do it. I don't do it anymore because I'm a next leveler, as you say. But I did when I was younger.
3: <laughs> I've got one line that is not iconic, but I think it was such a great, efficient way to set up who Lando is. Is that exchange that uh, that he and uh, that Han and Leia have right when they get there? She goes, "Can you trust him?" And he goes, "No," but he's got no love for the Empire. I'll tell you that. Like that's all you need to know about the guy—not trustworthy, but ultimately on our side,
4: right? Yeah, yeah. And then becomes a heroic general of the the resistance.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
6: yeah. I was always—I'm not mad about this, but I was always kind of like, "Wow, Han came out of this carbonite thing and then just trusted Lando immediately." I'd be kind of like, "Wait a minute."
3: <laughs> Let's talk about the carbonite. Okay. Yeah. How awful that scene was to see for the first time.
4: It was very upsetting. There was a lot of, I mean, again, because I'm in your age group, I remember hearing other kids in the audience go, "Is he dead?" Like immediately. Yeah.
3: And that the look on his face, the way they did it, it was it was meant to devastate.
4: Yeah, and it succeeded.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's sad
3: is, right now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is interesting. Again,
6: I, I get sometimes I get really jealous that I didn't have this experience of not knowing, but um, it is interesting to remember that these were made like kids were in minds largely and mm-hmm. I, I find it really interesting that george lucas like talked to sci- child psychologists and was like is this really gonna mess them up uh, especially with vader and that's why he was told that if a kid really couldn't handle it they wouldn't believe it because it was the villain saying i am your father but that's why in jedi yoda confirms it it's like no actually he really is <laughs>
4: Yeah, he um he gave that great quote. You might have you probably read the same thing Annie where he was he was telling someone there has to be as we go out of this movie if we're going to leave it there. Yeah. A level of deniability to that fact because otherwise kids cannot cope for 3 years in mm-hmm. the sadness of it. Like you have to give them a trap door to be like no, he's the bad guy so he was lying. Right.
3: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
4: And
6: I, that's it's. I love hearing you guys talk about this because again, I've just always known Han came out of the carbonite, so I didn't have that. Like it was upsetting, and I, if he hadn't come back, and he had just if Harrison Ford had not come back, and Han Solo was just lost, so hanging on Jabba's wall, that would have been very, very upsetting.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and I think this is to talk about the different experiences of. Being a kid and having to wait, and then the way that you were able to consume it, it's just proof that there is no right way. Uh, and it's just a little different. I mean, part of me is jealous that you got to dive right into the sequel and didn't have to wait. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, no, it was better to have to wait and the suspense yeah. and everything. It was awful. That's all <laughs> we talked about for, I mean, however many years it was until Jedi came out.
6: Three.
3: Three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you can you can consume these in different ways at different ages. And they're all great and okay and correct.
4: Yeah. And in those three years, you got to carry around those sweet, sweet Kenner carry cases full of toys. <laughs> Although that was getting to the age. I'm curious about this for you, Chuck. Because um, I know for me, I remember seeing Jedi when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And saying something about it at school. And some snarky little mean girl was like, stop! Wars is dorky and I wasn't like embarrassed or ashamed but I was like I'm just not going to talk about Star Wars with people for a while this is mine alone now mm-hmm. Um which is funny yeah. because one of my closest friends from high school he and I did not know until much later in life that we had both been Star Wars dorks the whole time because we both had that experience of like I just won't talk about this with people because not everybody's going to get it
3: I don't remember there being any sort of dorky I, I don't know. Maybe I was naive. I, I was definitely naive. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I th- kind of thought everyone loved it.
6: I had a... Because I had two brothers and Star Wars was seen as a more masculine thing. Like I was telling you before we got started, Chuck, my parents always gave them the Star Wars stuff, even though mm-hmm. I liked it just as much. And so I I almost had a pressure to... Like, I was protected within the the shield of my brother's world where I... They thought it was cool, and I was trying to be cool enough for them, so they'd let me play with their Star Wars toys. And that sort of sh- shielded me from—because I was a pretty—like, I dressed as Jedi for Halloween. Like, I was a pretty outward fan, but I just felt so, like, because I had those brothers to compete with, Yeah, <laughs> I was a very competitive
3: child. Holly, what did you collect? What were your— uh... You know, like back then, what did you collect, and did did you think about leaving them in the package for value, or were you like me and just played played them? Yeah.
4: The thing for me, and I don't know why, but I loved it as a kid. I love it today. Any damn mail away. Yes. So after Empire, (laughs) there was this amazing mail away where you could get an accessory pack that had the um the the gas masks that they wear when they're in the space slug oh yeah um yeah. some cute little like hoth gear backpacks and stuff and that stuff was like
3: so you I couldn't mean, buy it
4: no you had to do a, a mail away with the the card backs um, that stuff is amazing. And I love it desperately. Um, it's one of those things that when I moved away from home, I left a lot of my Star Wars toys, which my older brother snagged. But I married into an even better collection, and then <laughs> nice. regained much of my he had a dowry. <laughs> much of it, totally. Oh, you have no idea. We're ridiculous at our house. Um, and then I regained my, some of my collection as well. But yeah, I mean, I had um, Bespin Leia on my um, wedding cake. Like, I don't. Or no, I think Bespin Leia was on a secondary table. I had regular, classic Leia on the
5: cake.
3: <laughs> so I had a lot of the the you know the small action figures. Played with them like crazy. I had the, uh, I guess it was it the the twelve inch Luke Skywalker doll. Yes, but only Luke for some reason. Uh, I had a think. I think I had the Millennium Falcon. I had a Land Speeder for sure, and then I had, and I still have some of the trading cards. Uh, I had that calendar. I wasn't a comic book guy, but somehow I do have that first edition, that first issue of the Star Wars comic. Yeah, uh, and a couple of other of the comics. But I wasn't like these were. You know, we didn't have a ton of money. My parent, uh, my dad, was a high school or elementary school principal, and. So we were, you know, solidly middle class kids, but it wasn't like I want all the stuff, get it for me. It was this Christmas, you'll get this many things. And if you mow enough lawns, you'll you can yeah. get some other stuff. So I had a nice collection, but it wasn't exhaustive or anything like that.
4: I I, I feel like I should stop talking because I will incriminate myself quickly. Let's hear I it. I mean, I'm I'm still collecting. Sure. Uh, at a ridiculous rate
3: (laughs) the classic stuff like the vintage
4: vintage i have a little uh habit, as you guys I think know, right? Greedo is my jam. I love Greedo in every way. And so I have like a whole lot of rescue Greedos. Like if I'm at a toy show Mm -hmm. and I'll see a bin full of loose figures, I can't leave the Greedos. I don't want them to be there (laughs) sad and grimy and being touched by people that don't love them. Right. Um, But also, I mean, uh, Brian and I just collect a lot. Yeah. We both had a lot of, of stuff when we got married, but it has only grown and grown and grown. And, you know, we don't have kids, so... Like, I don't have to worry about somebody's college. That just goes into Star Wars. Um, but, yeah, I, um, oh, there's some good toys coming out. That Black Series stuff is,
3: mm. Now what's that?
4: The The Black Series is the the stuff that is, I really like the six-inch Black Series. They're also doing three and three-quarter, which is the scale of the action figures we got when we were kids. Mm-hmm. They're just a little more detailed. Um The six inch ones, obviously, because the scale is a a little bit larger, get a little bit more detailed. Um, And I, one of my most beloved possessions right now, it was actually a gift from a very dear friend, Um, Sideshow does some amazing one six scale figures. And I have the Bespin Leia that came out last year. Oh my God, the detail. Like her little cape is actually embroidered and it's all like it's oh, wow. the most beautiful thing you've ever seen nice. on the planet. I would put it in the Louvre. It's that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. So yeah, I, uh, my Bespin Leia is up there in the things I collect as well. Anything Bespin Leia I want.
3: All right. I just had to look up Bespin Leia. Of course. <laughs> it's great.
4: Yeah.
6: What about yeah. you,
3: Anna? You collect stuff like that?
4: Uh, I do.
6: Definitely. Um, I'm more of a shirts person but also yeah i cosplay i'm pointing as you feed. this is my cosplay closet yeah um and i was going to do a we had a group of princess leias and we were going to be different princess leias and then i was doing a transition of luke skywalker cosplay because if you notice like in the first one he's wearing all white and this one it's like all gray and the next one it's all black oh uh, yeah this nice transition that i was going to do and then i did have i mean i'm not proud to admit this but you know my brother's got all the Star Wars toys and I would slowly steal them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still have like a, a hidden box under my bed of like the Star Wars toys.
3: I nice. Stole.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know.
3: I'm not sure where my stuff is. I think my brother may have it.
6: Get it back, Chuck.
3: I have the calendar. <laughs> I don't think that comic is even around because I think those might actually have a little value to them. Yeah, probably. But like who sells that stuff?
4: I was about to say. <laughs> oh, some people. People. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where I definitely know friends that have gotten to a point where they're like, "I'm just kind of, you know, have it in a drawer." Yeah. Right. But it, I know there's someone out there that would like this would make their yeah. year to be able to acquire it. And that's so fair. They kind of do that balance, especially if they're doing like a house purge or something, and right. you know, like reprioritizing how they want to manage their stuff. If they're going through a Marie Kondo phase or whatever, and then they will sometimes part with it. I mean, that's I'm i forty year old virgin. I can't part with anything, so yeah, I just sit on a growing pile of action figures. Of and Greedos. Shoes.
3: I know. How many Greedos do you have? I, I don't know. More than you
4: know. We don't do reckoning at our house. We don't count.
3: No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. We don't do it. Sure. Are they displayed yeah, I everywhere? Or?
4: I have an altar, um, which is really a wall. Like it started out in my sewing room. I have like there's a wall that's got a door right in the middle that goes. Um, into a bathroom, and on one side of it, I had set up a door up like that a goes little, to Dagaba. <laughs> to Dagaba, no, no, the bathroom's pink; it doesn't look like Dagobah at all. <laughs> um, but it goes. Um, I, so on one side of that, to one side of the door, I had set up like a little corner, and it's got shelving in there, pieces of art. I collect original Greedo art as well. Mm-hmm. Like I'll occasionally commission an artist to do a, a painting or whatever. Um, and it has shelves, and it has various Greedos of all shapes, sizes, ilks, types. And then there's a little green velvet bench under it, and it's where I drink my coffee in the mornings. But my art and stuff collection has grown, so it's now continued across the other side of the door to the other part of the wall, and I don't... We've had to move some art out into the living room because it's just... It's, um Listen, I, d- I can't contain the Greedo collection. <laughs> I think
3: the movie crushers are going to want to see this, so if you feel comfortable sending me a picture... I will. Uh, I'll post it on the uh, on the movie crush page and to the delight of everyone.
4: I will. Oh, I love a little. I love a little grito art. One of my favorite pieces. Uh, one of my very dear friends commissioned for me last year an artist to do grito in like the Mexican saint style. So it's a Santa Grito, and oh, it's cool. absolutely beautiful. And I love it so much. And it's on black velvet, and it's like. Everything you could ever hope for in life. (laughs) It's it's really beautiful. She did a really beautiful job.
3: Do y'all have anything else on your notes for Empire?
6: Yes. Uh, Well,
3: Annie, I know you've got like eight pages still. (laughs) Yes. Let's hear it.
6: Um, Well, I would love to talk about uh, the end, like the duel with Vader and the loss of hands. Um, Because it's really fun to watch it when you do know it's his father. Because it feels, you know, Luke is the one who attacks first and Vader's just kind of testing him to see see what he can do. And all these little things, even his interaction with the emperor reads really differently when you know that Luke is his son. So I like having that added layer of familial drama, which, again, I think we can all relate to. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sure. And it's just scary, like the way he's sort of the shadow hulking after him in this maze and kind of just really humiliating him almost like drawing it out and then to lose the hand and to lose the innocence of who you thought your father was and what you thought your destiny was and how it's what could happen. How did that happen to his father and how could that happen to you? Um, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Yeah. That, the
3: moment where Luca. And I remember very distinctly being nine in the moment where Luke releases and chooses to, I mean, Eventually I'm sure he thought die. he was going to die Yeah, and and well, not get miraculously saved by the coolest slide in space.
6: <laughs> I do love too, like Darth Vader is like, this is his first taste at parenting. And he's like, come with me. And his son's like,
4: I'll die first. <laughs>
6: yeah. should have you showed know.
3: Vader after that, like a nice cut back to him just being like, oh,
6: <laughs> you know, it's children are stubborn. Vader's yeah. got to learn. Also, He's reading a book on parenting,
4: trying right. to take bad plan. Vader like
6: cut off his <laughs> hand, terrorize his friends. Just no, no. That's
4: the way to win your child's love for <laughs> sure.
6: <Yeah>. For sure. <laughs> That's something I never really thought of. Because you know, at a certain point, when you see something enough, and you've seen it since as far as you can remember, you don't question why things happen. Yeah, I never really understood it. As a child that he was letting go to die or potentially die, I just was like, well, he's fine. So I don't I didn't think about it.
3: Right. And that weird uh, series of slides and <laughs> trap doors that yeah. uh, it felt like at that point, Lucas was just like, hey, listen, I have this idea for this cool last shot of him hanging below the spaceship. Like, how how do we <laughs> get him down there?
4: <laughs> when you think about it psychologically, though, too, right? Like someone who has had that moment because going into that Obi-Wan and Yoda are like we cannot help you you're you're flying solo if you do this yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like someone that falls to their death and it's a really long fall and they have time to think about it like yeah. when you consider what must be going through his head as he's yeah. he like he's like is this what saves me oh no i'm falling some more i'm not i not, not i thought i gave up but maybe there's a, no there's no hope like i can't that's a real uh, like way to mess with somebody's head <laughs> yeah
3: yeah Yeah. well especially when he sort of comes to a rest at the end of the slide yeah. it's like all right he's trying to get his bearings and then he he's Push. on a hatch apparently mm-hmm. bad yeah. luck that
6: <laughs> yeah bad luck mm-hmm. uh, yeah i was thinking about it when i was re-watching it um, which i absolutely didn't need to do but i definitely did sure um because i feel like we all have that moment When we become adults and we realize our parents aren't superhuman and they're human too and they can make mistakes. And this is like that to the nth degree. This is like, oh, no. (laughs) It couldn't get much worse than this. Um,
3: Yeah.
4: Have you played Battlefront, Annie? Yeah. Uh, Hey, I played Battlefront. You'd have. Did you play uh, Battlefront Two, the old Battlefront Two, where you could run around in the the Bespin hallways all the time?
3: Well, I don't know. I that didn't was play heaven. It
4: much. <laughs> right? Was that two? Uh Yeah, I loved all of the Bespin tunnel levels. That used to be date night at our house. Let's just run around Bespin shooting things for We're, seven hours.
6: I was actually talking about somebody the other day. I the Super Nintendo version of Empire Strikes Back. The game was so hard. And how games back then, I don't know if it's because, like, clunky mechanics or, I don't know, but, like, that game, I just remember it being so difficult.
4: I never played it.
6: Oh, man. I mean, I don't think, I never beat it. I couldn't. It's impossible. Um,
4: Game engines were very different. They were.
6: They were quite, quite, quite different. <laughs> Something else I wanted to touch on, because I think this is a really interesting generational gap. Is, um,
4: I think she just called us old. No no, so. no, 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 no,
6: <laughs> I, almost all of my friends, I did like a survey before this when we were doing our Princess Leia episode. Almost all of my friends said they thought Han Solo was way too mean for Princess Leia and that she deserved better. And I feel like...
3: In this movie?
6: In general. But yeah, in this movie.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the genius things about the character that was that he always had one foot out the door
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and you never knew, I mean, it was in Star Wars, it, uh, it was in A New Hope, it was in this, you know, he's he's always trying to get out of there to live his own life and go back to his life, uh, the anti-hero. And, yeah. you know, that's not necessarily being mean to Leia, but he certainly wasn't there for her until he kind of had to be. Mm-hmm. Is that fair?
6: Well, I'm like you, Holly, where I don't like a lot of romance. So it was never my thing. I never really thought about it too much until we did that episode. And I've read arguments where it's actually the Han and Leia relationship is kind of a flip on traditional stereotypes where he's the one that's like, look, I'm staying. I'm helping with your rebellion, but I need you to admit, like, that yeah. this is worth right. staying for, or like, that, that it's not a dead yeah. end. Um, and so when I look at it that way... I, Because he was staying like years and years, I mean, for years, but <laughs> for a cause he didn't purportedly didn't believe in. That's true. And he kept being like, you know, no, that's not it. Come on, say it. And she just wouldn't say anything. So I definitely see that side of it, which also gives their relationship more depth and him as a character more depth, I think.
4: Well, this is one of those things that to me got informed a lot. The way I look at it now has shifted because of Solo. Right? Because in that instance, you see that Han's initial impulse regarding relationships is a level of loyalty and devotion that is just, like, beyond. Mm -hmm. And he spends all of this time just trying to figure out a way to get back to Corellia and rescue Kira. And then she kind of screws him over. Yeah, And so, like, he is emotionally not tall enough to ride this ride in terms of like <laughs> having a grown-up relationship like he does not have the right. the wherewithal to really be a good potential you know partner for her um he is emotionally stunted in a lot of ways i have often joked in my 20s that han solo ruined an entire like generation of people in terms of what they thought a relationship was. And I used to call it Han Solo syndrome because yeah. we see women all the time who, at, you know, at that time would be like, I really love this guy and he seems great, and but he doesn't. He's not really there for me. And I was like, you're going after that because this is your what you imprinted on. Do you understand that? Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. I mean, certainly there are uh, other characters throughout history that have been like that. Oh, but yeah. He really... In a big way, like I think we can all agree that Han Solo was probably a very selfish lover.
6: <laughs> well, you know, in Return of the Jedi, know. that's kind of the thing where he's like he volunteered to be a general to run this mission without her knowing. So it was like a yeah. really an act of love. I anyway, true. I thought about this a lot.
4: <laughs> I, why did you? And there's also I'm gonna I know I do this every time, Chuck. I'm sorry. I'm like books. Um, <laughs> There is a really marvelous book that I absolutely love called Last Shot, which is written by DJ Older. Um, and it takes place in three timeframes. And it really examines Han's development. So one is him before he ever meets Leia. One is uh, and when he knew Lando earlier, before all of this. Then it's like him uh, and Lando pulling a job and... Then it's like him, the age we see him, not quite the age we see him going into like um, Force Awakens. So at that point, uh, Ben is still a little kid. He has not become Kylo Ren yet. And it's interesting to watch. And it's really beautifully written. There's also some great body horror in it for anybody that's into that. Um, <laughs> oh, I really, really love that book. Uh it's interesting to see Han Solo puzzling out what it is to be a husband and father because he just he knows he's not equipped to do it yeah. and he doesn't know what he's doing and he's spent his whole life improvising and magically succeeding. And now he can't really do that anymore. It doesn't work in a family dynamic to be like, I'm going to do everything by the seat of my pants. Cause yeah. Leia will be like, Hey, don't feed the baby that. Hey, don't, don't <laughs> right. do that. No, I have to go to work. Mom um, mm-hmm. Mothma is calling, put a shirt on. Like it's, um, <laughs> and he's just like, ah, um, and it, it, it is kind of a nice coda to seeing this relationship bubble up and be part of our, our psyche for all these years to see like where that lands when they're actually together and how really legitimately, Hard it is for him mm. and how much it messes with his head.
3: Yeah. yeah I mean, there's something there's a difference between someone who is selfish and someone who is incapable of certain behaviors, uh, not to just give any person a, you know, a free pass to be selfish, but some people aren't capable. You yeah. know? For for reasons that probably go for back reasons. to things like being heartbroken early on or whatever.
6: Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the famous improvised line, you know, no. I love Which you, one? I know. I know. Han's response to Leia saying, I love you.
3: That was improvised?
4: Yeah. Yes. Because, again, Kirsch. All the takes on Earth. Yeah.
3: Kirsch. kirsch. Give it up for the... Let's pour one out for the Kirsch. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and,
6: you know, to anyone listening, I know, like came on pretty strong in this one. <laughs> um, but if you've never looked at the behind the scenes of how they made this movie, even just images, it's amazing. It's so good. and I highly recommend it. like the ATATs, like the, there's this trap doors they would come up through in the snow, and it's just it's so good. It's yeah the I mean, mentioned. the design
3: is great. The snow speeders, like we got to see a lot of new cool stuff. I remember being a kid and, and seeing the uh, the way they took him down with the harpoons and thinking that was just so
5: yeah.
6: cool that they
3: just used a mechanical. Like like you would trip someone on the playground or something. Yeah. And it and worked. Then,
6: yeah, it gets referenced in uh, Captain America Civil War. Uh, it <laughs> I, does? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love that too. I love that they found a way to deal with these huge things that were impervious to their lasers. They're like, well, we're scrappy. We, we can figure this out. <laughs>
3: There's a design There's flaw. Also,
4: um. In Star Tours at, at Disney World and Disneyland, there is a Hoth segment where at one point you are under an AT-AT as it's coming down. And it honestly adds a, a sense of gravity when you next watch the movie, when you're like, oh, that stuff is big, y'all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is very, very fun.
6: Yeah. Amazing. I've been Squadrons go. on VR and that's.
4: Have you? I'm scared because I'm, um, I love VR, but I'm really, really bad at flight games. Oh, like I'm right into a wall within seconds every time.
6: I understand. I will say I'm normally like that, but I didn't experience that for this game as of yet. I'm not very good. I'll also say that (laughs) but I'm having
4: fun.
3: (laughs) Gina, who's never done VR and has two thumbs.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Who could it be? (laughs) Are his initial CB? I think it would make
3: me sick.
6: I thought that too. the The technology has definitely really improved. I'm not saying yeah. that it won't make you sick, but right. I, <laughs> I do
4: have. I don't know about Squadrons because I haven't played it. I know. Um, I have been playing the um the new X Lab um Tales from Galaxy's Edge, and they have a setting in there that is like for people that are prone to motion sickness. Oh, that's cool. Um, there's also a great thing that I discovered. While doing that, which was the most zen I have maybe felt in the last 20 years, um, where there's a um, a moment at the end where you're in the end credits and the way it sets it up, you're kind of floating in space and the credits are going by, which is a little different than they did the credits in Vader Immortal, which was their previous X-Lab Star Wars uh, <laughs> VR piece, which was like more of a flat... So in this, like you literally can just sit down and it's like you're floating in a star field. Oh wow. And it honestly felt so relaxing and beautiful. Cause you can look all around you in in, you know, full um 360 and it it you look down and there's just stars below you and you look up and they're just above you, and everywhere Sounds you so look, cool. you're just out in space and there just happens to be credits also rolling through space but it's honestly if anybody has the opportunity do not skip the credit sequence just sit down on your floor and and enjoy that moment because it's really beautiful (laughs) that sounds great
3: (laughs) well ladies this was a lot of fun as i knew it would be let's just go ahead and book commit to doing all these damn movies (laughs)
5: like
3: over the next year i mean why not i mean who else am i going to get
4: Uh, (laughs) monthly Star Wars (laughs) rapies
3: so we'll knock out uh, Return of the Jedi sometime in like January or something does that sound good
4: yes yes please All
3: right, fantastic so uh, big thanks you want to plug anything or shout out any Twitters or Instas nah (laughs) everyone (laughs) knows where to find (laughs) me
4: (laughs) Annie this is when you do it so that people know it and we can get Mark Hamill to tweet at you yes if anyone has any connections to Mark
6: Hamill I would very much, like, just, it could just be, hello, that's all. I don't
4: care. And what is your Twitter handle, Annie? <laughs> that's how we look, I'm trying to help you.
6: <laughs> I'm so shy. I'm already like, oh, no. You have two moms I know, now. she's blushing. It's precious. <laughs> it is at Annie Reese, A-N-N-E-Y-R-E-E-S-E. You can also find me on Savor, the podcast, S-A-V-O-R, Our Stuff Mom Never Told You.
3: There you go. Yeah. Holly, what else are you up to uh, these days?
4: Uh, you know, still doing stuff you missed in history class. Of also doing Criminalia, which is historical true crime, uh, which is super fun. We're about to finish our season on Lady Poisoners and move on to Stalkers. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Color <laughs> me also, intrigued. <laughs> there's also a cocktail segment, um, where I come up with a drink that's themed to the, the topic of the day. Oh, this sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. you know, that has been so incredibly fun to come up with cocktails, um, it's like I didn't know that was secretly what I wanted to do with my life until <laughs> I started doing it. Now I'm like, why was I not always doing this? Um, yeah. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at SurliestGirl. And uh, I also have a Star Wars podcast called Full of Sith.
3: Amazing. I do it every uh, week
4: where it's more of this.
3: Yeah. yeah. That sounds, <laughs> if you want to dive even deeper and be a next leveler. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Annie. Can't wait to do this again.
4: Thank Thanks, you. Chuck.
6: Movie Crash is produced and written by Charles Bryant and Noel Brown, edited and engineered by Seth Nicholas Johnson, and scored by Noel Brown, here in our home
2: studio at Ponce Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio.
3: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With Samuel Grease,
1: Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.